Hey, Misfits. Welcome back to the Misfits and Mysteries podcast. We are your weekly podcast for all things weird and wacky from Bigfoot and aliens to psychology and history and everything in between. We are your hosts, Emmy and Steve. So Steve, how are you doing? Good. How was the uh, alien abduction? Yeah, guys. So I was not able to join the episode last week because I was fully abducted by aliens naturally. And they just picked me up in my house in New York City and took me all the way to Houston, Texas. That's where I woke up in an alien crash. Only thing I have to show for it is they took my belly button. So where they put it? I think they just took it as like a little souvenir. It's a trophy. Wow. That's yeah. bad. As the shame is that they dropped in the wrong state, too. It's kind of rude of them. Yeah. You know, Houston was all right. Got some barbecue on my way back so nice and yeah you spent the whole week the whole rest of the week just walking from houston back to new york it's pretty crazy yeah actually if you guys want to see my documentary that's coming out in a few weeks it's gonna be great what have you been up to this week how was uh hurricane harvey not harvey henry <laughs> henry um you mean rain, you mean rainstorm henry <laughs> There wasn't even thunder. It just rained heavily all day. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. I left Vermont early because I was concerned that I was going to be driving through like a, a hurricane. But no, it was just a very heavy rainstorm. It wasn't anything serious. The winds weren't even bad. It was just rainy. I feel like that... Was it a hurricane earlier this year where New York was like totally flooding and people were like driving jet skis on land? <laughs> I have no idea if that was this year or not. I just don't remember. Who's this year? I just can't remember why that happened. Was it just like a random thing? I mean, there was that flood in New Jersey, that really crazy flood in New Jersey. Could be thinking of that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. All I'm saying is, at least for New York, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it was earlier this year. Exactly. And it wasn't as bad as... Uh, I think Tennessee's in bad shape with that flood. Really? Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of people are dead. Oh my god! They had a big flood I think yesterday. That's pretty tragic. Like people's like children are swept away. It's in bad shape, Tennessee. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. And there's now a woman. I didn't really do any research on this, but I saw it and I thought it was great for the show. So some woman claims to be the reincarnation of Marilyn Monroe. And she's also married to the ghost of Michael Jackson. Why didn't you cover that? Because there's a single article written about it. There's not enough information yet. I need this story to develop. Here's the thing, right? It's like, oh, that sounds great. But then think about like the lady who got married to the ghost pirate and had a ghost pirate wedding. Yeah. Like that story would not be as good if I told it just then and stopped. You got to get the whole story when she gets divorced from the ghost pirate. That's true. Yeah. That's true. True. So we need the full story. We need to wait till Michael Jackson's ghost divorces the reincarnated <laughs> spirit of Marilyn Monroe. Which is just so random. Did they even exist during the same time? That's a really dumb question. I don't have the slightest idea. Let's see. Maybe if they did, they would have gotten married. Probably Maybe. not. So she died in 1962. So yes. But she was really old. Wait, how, wait when was Michael Jackson born? He was born in 1958. So they overlapped a little bit. She was only 36 when she died. Yeah, she was young. Didn't she have like an affair with JFK? Yeah. But didn't like JFK also have an affair with like every single woman in America? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, what are you talking about today? I am talking about the case of Errol. It is a alien 
who survived the Roswell crash and was interviewed. Really? Yes. I am going back to this honeypot I found the other day. Maybe eventually I'll say what the website's name is, but for now, I don't want people reading these stories and stealing them from me. But I mean, like, like, oh, I already heard that. Well, no, fuck you. Uh, This is a website that has all primary sources about these weird ghost stories and whatnot. So I got a little collection of them that I want to share today. One of them is titled How to Outdrink the Devil. Another one is about a devil fish. Then we have the ghost of Hessier Hill. And then some superstitions from the 1880s that are kind of weird that I figured would be fun to go through. Oh, I like that. Okay. Should we announce this uh, giveaway that we're trying to do? Because I have that uh, Domino's gift card that I'm never going to (laughs) use. Yeah, go for it. All right, guys. So we're going to do a giveaway now. Uh, I got a Domino, a $20 Domino's gift card from work. And I live in New York where I can get real pizza for less money. So here's the deal. We're going to give away this $20 Domino gift card to one person who, who what you have to do is you have to, you have to take a screenshot to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. And then and send it to us on Twitter, tweet it at us. <laughs> and so we don't lose it. Uh, use hashtag misfits and mysteries. And then, I don't know, in a few weeks, we'll choose a winner. Leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and then tweet at us. And we're at podcast underscore misfits on Twitter. And the Domino's gift card could be yours. gift card, yeah. See, most podcasts that are small, they give away stickers. We're giving away food. So, like, come on, guys. And tell a friend. I mean, you can't prove that you... Maybe you can prove you told a friend. Take a screenshot or a voice recording of you telling a friend to listen to the podcast for... For increased odds of winning and add it on yeah. your Twitter, Twitter thread. You'll get a double entry for every friend you tell. Every referral. You get a referral bonus. <laughs> All right. What other house cleaning stuff do we got? And also, someone's got to leave us a voicemail. It's been so long since we've gotten a voicemail. It's, it's really sad. Leave us a voicemail at 914-627-8582. What kind of stuff can they tell us about, Emmy? Oh, you can tell us any kind of story that you might want featured on the show. If it's a ghost story, it could be a alien UFO sighting or an abduction like mine. You could tell us a creepypasta. You could tell us your friend's spooky story. Whatever you want. Whatever you want is fine. You saw any- cryptid. All right. So let's get into the episode. All right. All righty. So we're going to start off from some, I guess, cryptids, folklore, stuff like that from the 1800s and early 1900s. So I thought it was pretty fascinating. I'm going to start off with this one called To Outdrink the Devil, The Power of Liquor. This is from the Logan Republican from January 27th, 1906. There is so much more of truth than poetry in the following old legend which the writer recently ran across, that it will bear rep- repetition, even though every reader has pursued it a dozen times. Ear so, this. Wait a second, wait a second. Can we just back up? So this is a newspaper article. Yeah. About whatever this is. Yeah, about this legend. Okay, got it. Yeah. So there's like a primary source about it. As illustrating the power of liquor and its tendency to lead to perdition, it is doubtful indeed if a more apt illustration was ever given. As the legend runs, a man sold his soul to the devil. The conditions were, for a certain number of years, this man was to have all his desires gratified at the expiration of which his soul was to be forfeited. 
When the time agreed upon had expired, this man was unwilling to fulfill his part of the contract and asked the devil upon what terms he could be released. The reply was, if you will curse your God, I will release you. No, said the man, I cannot curse the being whose nature is love. Give me something less fearfully wicked. Then kill your father, replied the devil. You go free. No, answered the man. That is too horrible to think of. I will not commit so great a crime and there are no other conditions. One more, replied the devil. You must get drunk. <laughs> what? That is a also, very- Also, the, the devil is not being a great negotiator right now. I know, he's like, okay. Please, please curse God, come on. Just just kill your dad, just come on. All right, fine, just get drunk, just get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very easy thing to do, the man answered, and I accept your proposition. I cannot kill my father, I will not curse my God. But I can get drunk, and when I become sober, all will be well. Accordingly, he got drunk, and when in this condition, chanced to meet his father, who upbraided him, which so excited the ire of the drunken and half-crazed man, that he slew his father, cursed God, and fell down dead, and the devil had him without fail. Only a legend, this peculiar case, but how true to the facts regarding the liquor curse. Oh my god, that went from 0 to 100 so quickly. Yeah, can you guess what state this is from that hates alcohol that much and the devil? Utah. Ding, ding, ding. It's from Logan, Woo! Utah. January 27th, 1906. So all he did was get drunk, and then he's like, nope, gotta... Yeah, so he gets drunk, kills his dad, and curses God. Also, what doesn't make sense about this story is he's like, loves God, but he knew that he was making a deal with the devil. All right. Like what? He was like, no, I I can't curse God, but like there's a lot, I was willing to yeah. give you my soul at some point. I know, right? I mean, there's a lot of very Mormon themes in there, like drinking's the devil. You gotta respect your father. Don't you dare curse. Yeah. <laughs> so, which we want to hear: the fisherman fighting off a giant devilfish, or the ghosts of Heiser Hill? We can do both of them, but it doesn't matter which way we go. Let's stick on the devil theme. All right. So this is from the Barber County Index, November 21st, 1906. Fishermen fight off giant devilfish. New Orleans party has exciting adventure. Shots around the giant. Um, yacht is followed sluggishly by creature and bullets fired make little impression on the monster. That's just like the subtitles of this article. Okay. New Orleans. The sensation in the fishing world recently has been the experience four sportsmen had of the devilfish off Horn Island. During the week, the big power yacht Jenna, owned by Commodore Thomas Soley, with John P. Sullivan, Phil Worland, Ned Ryder as guests, ran out to Horn Island for a few days fishing. They had all the sport they wanted, mackerel and bull redfish, and early on Sunday morning started for the eastward past of Deer Island and Biloxi Bay. They had traveled possibly three or four miles from the island, when just ahead of the yacht, they saw something on the surface of the sound, which looked like a giant turtle. The course of the yacht was changed so as to overhaul this strange creature. And when the boat neared the fish, the engines were slowed down and stopped. The yacht came up close to the fish, which proved to be the largest devilfish ever seen in that section. <laughs> During last summer, a number of these monsters, sometimes called the blanket fish, have been seen but they were no longer than five or six feet. This monster measured in the neighborhood of 15 feet in length and was fully seven or eight feet broad. Wow. 
That's the a guaranteed fish. Yeah, this is beyond a whopper. This is a monster. When the news of the fish was alongside the step of the yacht, its tail was just opposite the foremast, a distance of over 15 feet. But to make the measurement reasonable, the sportsmen came to the conclusion that they would give the, the fish 15 feet as a fair measurement. All right. These people definitely just saw a whale. I didn't know what it was. 15 feet? That's how long it was? Yeah. I was imagining it being like a mile long. Like, <laughs> I know the way they're talking about it. No, it was 15 feet. Uh, it sounds like a baby whale. Commodore Soli secured an improved Winchester and went on top of the pilot house to get a good shot. The fish was lying very near the surface and did not seem to pay the slightest attention to the boat and its occupants. Two shots were fired in rapid succession, but they did not seem to bother the fish in the least. Well, they probably hit the water and missed it. Yeah. The shots were fired. The giant sank slowly and came up again a few feet further ahead. A dozen more shots were fired from the rifle, but no impression was made. Fully half an hour, the yacht laid a while its occupants tried all kinds of means to wake up the monster from the sea. Wake up? I think they found they like a dead They killed it. Or they found a dead whale. <laughs> when i was uh when i was on vacation we saw a bunch of whales just like not that far out just baby humpbacks just going up and down slowly it probably was a humpback whale whirlin finally grabbed a long boat hook and wanted to tie a line to the handle and harpoon the fish but the others were not exactly certain as to the result of such an experiment i would not listen to whirlin finally the yacht got underway again the devilfish with a few lazy waves of its giant tentacles dropped it behind and followed the boat for fully half a mile then disappeared okay so it has tentacles what was this like I'm... a squid it could have been a giant squid that sounds like a giant kraken. squid to me the kraken could be a kraken a few weeks ago wcc calborn and several other fishermen returned with the story about three devil fish seen at the island but their story was taken with a large grain of salt Claiborne had a reputation for storytelling but his tale is followed up now by his, this experience and the sportsmen are wondering if a big yacht with plenty of harpoons on board might not furnish a lot of lively sport to the sportsmen. Okay. And this was from the Bourbon County Index Medicine Lodge can, November 21st, 1906. And this is in New Orleans. I need to Google a devil fish. I have no idea what it is. Is that a real thing? I don't know. I don't think it is. Um, actually, when you search devil fish, it's like a manta ray. But they don't have tentacles. I mean, devil oh, fish shit. is. Those, things, those are manta rays, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, I see why it's called a devil fish because it's got like horns on the front. Oh my God. There's pictures of it literally jumping out of the air. That's fucking terrifying. I don't know if that's the same devil fish they're talking about. Oh my god, did you see this one? The third thing is says fake or real. It's clearly fake. No. Wait, where? If you go under like these images when you type in devil fish, the third image on the top is just it says real or fake. It's so clearly oh, fake. Oh yeah. That's literally a baboon skull with a horn on top of it. All right. I don't want to hog up too much time. So I'm gonna actually just cut out the ghost story. And are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some superstitions from the 1880s? Yes, I am ready. So this is titled American Superstitions and was published in the Evening Star on January 17th, 1880. The following signs handed down by tradition are yet believed in many parts of America. Oh, wow, they made a typo. They said believed in, in in many parts of America. Wow, people were not good at spelling back then, apparently. 
Okay, you ready for this? This is what people believed in 1880. Yep. White specks on the nails are luck. Ew. Whoever <laughs> reads. Checked out. I mean, I guess I might have a couple white spots. That's luck. Whoever reads epitaphs loses his memory. What's an epitaph? I have no idea. Maybe we both read them and we don't remember. <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's a good point. To rock the cradle when empty is injurious to the child. Okay. That's weird. Yep. I don't know what that means. To eat while a bell is tolling for a funeral causes toothache. <laughs> That's not that bad. Not that bad at all. <laughs> the crowing of a hen indicates some approaching disaster. Hmm. Okay. When a mouse gnaws a hole, some misfortune may be apprehended. These are just like things that happen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he who has teeth wide asunder must seek his fortune in a distant land. Does that mean like gap tooth? What? He who has teeth wide asunder really? must seek his fortune in a distant land. In 1880, wasn't that like everybody? They didn't have like braces. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, this one, this one we know well. Whoever finds a four-leaf clover, trifoil, shamrock should wear it for good luck. Nice. Yeah, that one stuck around. The rest That's of these stink. One. Beggar's bread should be given to children who are slow in learning to speak. Oh my god. <laughs> if a child less than 12 months old is brought into a cellar, it will become timid. Yeah, duh. <laughs> when children play soldier on the roadside, it forebodes the approach of war. I think whoever wrote this just was like, all right, I need I need an article in like five minutes. Let me just write down like what happened to me today. All right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> a child grows proud if suffered to look into a mirror while less than 12 months old. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. He who proposes moving into a new house must first send in bread and a new broom. In bread? Like bread, like the food. Send? Wait, say so that again. He who proposes moving into a new house must first send in bread and a new broom. Okay. I'm for that. If you're in your selling your house, I have to bring you a loaf of bread, homemade. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Whoever sneezes at an early hour either hears some news or receives some present the same day. Okay. I think I've sneezed early in the morning. Oh my God. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. The first tooth cast by a child should be swallowed by the mother to ensure a new growth of teeth. No! Uh-oh. Oh, your... oh my God, that made me gag. <laughs> has your sister swallowed any teeth yet to make sure her children get new teeth? She hasn't. Uh-oh. So your children, you're sorry, not your children. Your nieces and nephews are all toothless? You know what? My mom didn't do that, and I still have four baby teeth. So. See? That's what there happens. Buttoning the coat awry or drawing on a stocking inside out causes matters to go wrong during the day. Yeah, you're so, probably having a bad day anyways. Yeah, you're probably having a bad day if that's going on. By bending the head to the hollow of the arm, the initial letter, or one's future spouse is represented. What the hell does that mean? It must be of one's future spouse. So like this. So like an L or... There's always like an L or a U or something or a V. That doesn't make any sense. I think that means that those only only names the L's use V's are uh, acceptable to marry or I's perhaps. Yeah, no one else get, gets married. Okay, I have two last ones are good. When okay. a person enters a room, he should be obligated to sit down 
if only for a moment, as he otherwise takes away the children's sleep with him. Oh, my God. Every time you enter a room? Every time. But at the same time, it's like, what if it's the middle of the day and the children aren't sleeping? Just like generally? Yeah. Your children won't sleep? I guess so. And finally, the following are Owens of death. A dog's scratch on the floor or howling in a particular manner. An owl's hooting in the neighborhood of the house. That, yeah. Yeah. So this is from the yeah. Evening Star in Washington, D.C. from January 17th, 1880. I love it. That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty interesting. I like the devil story a lot. That was pretty funny. Yeah. The <laughs> how to out drink the devil. Out drink the devil and just shit hits the fan real fast. Yeah. All right. Let's get into yours. You ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. So this is the story of Errol. It is an alien that was interviewed by Matilda O'Donnelly. Mm-hmm. McElroy. That's her full name. Matilda O'Donnelly McElroy. Yes. So, you know, this whole Roswell thing happens in 1947. People believe that there was a flying saucer that crashed in New Mexico. But what some people may not know is that one of the aliens survived and was interviewed by Matilda O'Donnelly McElroy. (laughs) Nice. So... Matilda is only 23 years old, and she's working for the government. She was a senior master sergeant in the Women's Army Air Force Medical Corp. Senior master sergeant? I don't know what that rank is. That sounds like something that you can't get at 23. Right? But it was, <laughs> it was in the medical, women's medical division. Oh, so. it was in so, the 50s. So they're like, oh, let's give her a fancy title so she feels good about herself. Exactly. Exactly. So she's only 23 years old. So what happens is the flight crashes and everyone's kind of huddled around and they're like, Matilda, you got to come because there's one survivor and you need to check them out, do a medical exam. Mm -hmm. So she's like, yeah, I'll come check them out. So she goes there and she sees this alien and it seems to have not a scratch on it. And... She's just checking it out, doing a little exam, and she realizes that the alien is trying to communicate with her telepathically. But no one else is getting this kind of feedback, but she's like, I'm getting like images and thoughts Mm. from the alien like implanted in my brain. That's wild. So she describes the alien as, quote, not a biological being which I'll explain more in a second. It had female-like appearance and had also not been injured during the crash. So the alien was made of synthetic material. Like a robot? It was an alien robot controlled by some kind of higher being. Like a drone? Like an RC car type deal? Or like an alien's brain in it? You know, that's a good question. It just says an alien robot. Okay. So, so not like a cyborg then. Yeah, exactly. And fun fact, the UFO is made out of the same material that the alien was made out of. Hmm. And the UFO itself was controlled by the alien's mind and thoughts. So I'm going to read directly a letter that Matilda wrote. All right. Uh, 
and this is from a book called Alien Interview, published in 2008. And the author, Lawrence R. Spencer, claims to have gotten all of these letters from Matilda way back in the day. And he put in like the handwritten notes in his book. Mm-hmm. So the letter says, as you know, in July 1947, the Roswell Army Airfield issued a press release stating that personnel from the field's 509 bomb group had recovered a crashed flying disc from a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico, sparking interest in the media. When the news that there had been a crash was received at the base, I was asked to accompany Mr. McCavitt, the counterintelligence officer, to the crash site as the driver of his vehicle and to render emergency medical assistance to my survivors if necessary. When I arrived, I learned that one of the four personnel on board the craft had survived and was conscious and apparently uninjured. I immediately detected that the alien was attempting to communicate with me via mental images or telepathic thought. I reported this phenomenon to Mr. McCabot. As no other person present was able to perceive these thoughts and the alien seemed able and willing to communicate with me, it was decided after a brief consultation with the senior officer that I would accompany the surviving alien back to the base. My duty was to communicate with the alien and to make a complete report of all that I discovered to command authorities. Subsequently, I was supplied with scientific lists of questions provided to me by the military and non-military personnel, which I was to interpret for the alien and record the response to the questions provided. Mankind needs to know answers to questions which are contained in these documents. Who are we? Where did we come from? What is our purpose on Earth? If there is intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, why have they not contacted us? It is vital that people understand the devastating consequences. This is interesting. The devastating consequences to our physical and spiritual survival if we fail to take effective action to undo the long-standing and pervasive effects of alien intervention on Earth. So she thinks that alien intervention is responsible for everything? Just hang on one second. It gets crazier. All right. So that's the end of the letter. Basically, what she figured out from this telepathic interview was that the aliens from Roswell were from a place called Domain. And it was not just a planet, but like a galaxy of planets. And they kind of had this big community there. Her planet had two stars and three moons. And she didn't give any location because she was afraid of what the military officers would do with that information. But here's where it gets interesting. So Matilda asked Errol, the alien, how long she had been visiting Earth. And her answer was long before humans. So this is what she found out is that Earth is a small planet on the fringe of these galaxies so it's like kind of geographically isolated from where a lot of life in the universe is and a lot of civilizations exist more towards the center of the galaxy Mm. so this has made earth a obvious and suitable place at first they used it as a zoo and a botanical garden that people would just visit which kind of fits in with like Garden of Eden type mm-hmm. of. It does for the Garden of Eden stuff. It also explain why there's so many different creatures here. It's true. But it is now, right now, used as a prison. Really? 
an alien prison. So before the year 30,000 BC, Earth started being used as a dumping ground and a prison for aliens who are deemed untouchable, meaning criminal or nonconformists. They were captured and put into these electronic traps and transported to Earth from various parts of the, quote, old empire. Mm. And they set up on Mars underground amnesia stations. So any alien coming through would get amnesia and then come to Earth. And these amnesia stations also exist in Africa, the mountains of Portugal, and Mongolia. So all of the aliens who are bad on their planet just got exiled to Earth. And are they all humans? Like, does everyone look like a human on every other planet? So I think that they're like robots. Oh. But I don't know where they live. That's what it doesn't explain is like Earth is being used as a prison, but like we've never found any of these prisoners. Yeah, we would have found one by now. Right? That's weird. So that's it. That's the story. <laughs> that was interesting, Elise. <laughs> I know. Isn't that good? Like, I like it when it has a tie into like what's happening. An alien thing translates into like a present day conspiracy kind of thing. Yeah, that is pretty fascinating. I mean, what that guy from Israel said that we've been working with aliens and that Trump almost like spilled the beans, but he's like, you're not allowed to do that. Galactic Federation or whatever. Yeah. And then the fact that they've just been using Earth as their first, like, oh, it's like so fun to visit and like look at all the trees and the animals and the dinosaurs. Like, Maybe that's why everything's going wrong right now. They're just dumping fucking alien robots on us yeah maybe maybe all the animals are not here like there's an episode of south park where they find out that earth is just a reality show and how it works in every other planet is only one species per planet so they just put a bunch of random things on earth to make it like wild <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> yeah uh yeah but i thought that was a pretty good one yeah i like that well anyway i don't want the episode to get too long so thank you guys for listening Oh, it's almost September. We had to follow up with them, but I think this month we're going to get a uh, our pirate expert on. Ooh, ooh. I'm excited about that. Pirate historian slash folklore person. So we're going to learn a lot about pirates. I'm really excited for that. It's a long time coming. I emailed them months ago, but the summer is their busy season because they lead pirate tours in South Carolina. <laughs> it's going to be really good. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm going to shoot them an email like, next week or something but yeah look out for that i'm excited for that and yeah thank you guys for listening to the episode like we said at the beginning leave us a five-star review and subscribe take a screenshot of both tweet at us with hashtag mistress mysteries for a chance to win a 20 dollars domino's gift card it's gonna be sweet yeah it's gonna be sweet and uh on twitter you can find us at podcast underscore misfits (laughs) it is literally every week and now it's leaving my mind that's you had a week the- off. It's not your fault. <laughs> I know. I was abducted. Who knows? Maybe I got amnesia in Mars. Yeah, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, Twitter and Instagram at podcast underscore misfits. Find us uh, on our website, misfitsandmysteries.com. We're also on really any other channel, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are. Uh, just type in misfits and mysteries. All righty. Well, Thanks for watching, and as always, stay spooky, guys. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.